Say one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You're listening to Song and Story, conversations with songwriters about their songs. You can support this project on Patreon, and you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at songandstorypodcast.com. I have been looking forward to this episode for some time now. It's a first for us, because our featured song has never been released. You can't hear it anywhere else but here. The song is called Mercedes, and it was written by Chris Cole, a singer-songwriter from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chris has had this recording hidden away in his files for about five years now. He's never done anything with it. Only a handful of people have ever heard it, and now it's getting its public debut right here on Song and Story. Chris and I have traveled and toured together extensively over the last eight years, so the conversation that you're about to hear is probably pretty close to what you'd experience if you were stuck in a car with us on a long drive to a show. There's a lot of laughter in this episode, several humorous and insightful tangents, and some golden nuggets of genuine vulnerability like this. So... The reason why we're having this conversation about the song, or one of the reasons is because I've never published it, right? I've never put it online. And I think it's because I've always had mixed feelings about it, about whether I liked it. And I kind of do that with all my songs. I'm like, I, 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 if, if I get to the end of a song, like if I finish it, um, which rarely happens, I'm rarely satisfied with it. Like if I was a, if I wrote novels, I would just, write hundreds of pages, and then burn them over and over again. (laughs) That's just all I would do. You'll hear that clip again in context later, but I wanted you to hear it here first because I think it speaks to a common artistic struggle. Whether it stems from self-doubt, indecision, or some combination of the two, I'm not entirely sure. But so many artists, myself included, often wrestle with this nagging feeling that what we're making or what we've just made will never be good enough to share. You just heard Chris himself say that he's always had mixed feelings about this song. He wrote and recorded it years ago, and he's never released it because he still hasn't decided whether he actually likes it or not. But me? The first time I ever heard Chris play this song on a borrowed ukulele, I remember thinking as a fellow songwriter with a healthy balance of joy and jealousy, that he had written his own Moon River, a song with a timeless quality, simplicity, longing, and romance. I look for you 
just to say goodbye, but you're gone and now her memory. Mercedes, tonight are you our dream and fall in love all over again? Mercedes, tonight are you our dream? It's the only way to see you again. Was it fame, luck, or chance? I fell in love walking south of France to a girl I'll never see again. As I was waiting for you to call me back just now, I was like, I guess I should listen to the song again. <laughs> How long has it been since you've heard it? Oh, I don't know. At least years. <laughs> Um, <laughs> at least years. Yeah, at least years. Okay. Well, because I, I didn't show many people the song. Right. That's what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, I showed you. I I can think of like a couple of people, but it was all like in my car, trying to pull it up on my phone, that sort of thing. Um. So yeah. So I don't know. It was 2015 when I recorded it. Really? Five years ago? Well, so I did the, so the song is, I wrote the song while on the Camino to Santiago. And I did that in 2015. I'm pretty sure I would have recorded it later that year. Because I did that like in the spring. And I borrowed a ukulele for the trip. And I really wanted to use the ukulele to record. But the person I borrowed it from like needed it back. <laughs> so like I was trying to like, like, hold on a second. Like I need to record something with it first. Um, so I'm pretty sure it happened that year. Whose ukulele was it? Can we give them a shout out? Yeah. Uh, Marie Celeste Robichaud. That sounds uh, like a L- Louisiana name. Yeah. She's from Thibodeau. Typical. Um, <laughs> That's typical of Louisiana people to be from Thibodeau. Right, yeah. <laughs> of course you would be in some <laughs> very stereotypical place. Um, so, but yeah, she's fantastic. Musical family. Her dad plays accordion, trumpet, piano. Um, so if you hang out at her house, it's always, it's always a good time. Lots of, lots of music always going on. But yeah, she wanted her ukulele back because I'd kept it for, you know, eight or nine months. <laughs> All right. You, sorry, you said you borrowed it for the Camino de Santiago? Camino de Santiago. So like the way of St. James. Okay. The Camino de Santiago is a uh, medieval era pilgrimage. I think that's whenever it first started, or that's the way I heard everybody talk about it. So there's different routes that will go through Spain and end in Santiago, which is where the relics of St. James are. And so this was a, an old pilgrimage route. And I had first heard about it in high school. I had a, uh, it's like our youth pastor. He had, I remember he had some pictures in his office of him and his cousin, like standing on some rocks with the ocean in the background. And he had a backpack on that sort of thing. And he said he walked across Spain and that just seemed like the coolest thing ever, you know, for a 16 year old. And so I remember hearing about that when I was younger. And then later on I had a friend who had done a piece of it. And so that kind of like rekindled my interest in it. What, what do you mean, a, a piece? So the whole thing, at least the route that I took, which I started, I started in France, like on the right on the, basically it's like north east of the Pyrenees, and you cross the Pyrenees and then you walk across Spain. It's about five hundred miles. Not everybody has the time <laughs> to, to to do that or, or money. So, well, actually, it's pretty cheap. It's um, it's uh, it. The price is not the thing. It's, uh, it's more just the time. So people will do it in sections. Okay. And so um, I met people along the route who, you know, they take a couple of weeks each year and they do a different section. And so I had, a, I had the time. <laughs> so I figured I would <laughs> uh, go to Spain. And so, yeah, so I just knew I'd be walking a lot. 
Um, I didn't do the thing where like I got the book with the map and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I should have. Oh, where you get the like a passport that they stamp, like a special. No, so I did get that. So like you, you register like with a like Camino travel office type thing, and you can get a little passport, and so you get stamps along the way at every town you stay at, and then at the end of it, you'd go to like the the tourist office. And they will give you like an actual document saying that you completed it. That's the Compostela. So people will refer to the whole, the whole thing as Camino de Santiago de Compostela. And so the Compostela is basically the certificate that you receive. I assume that's what it, it means in Spanish. I don't really know. I don't really know Spanish that well. Um, I was pretty good in a bar, in a restaurant after, the, after my time in Spain, but that's about it. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do much besides order food and beer and wine. Did you know much before going? So I knew a little bit because I spent some time in Mexico. Okay. But would never claim to know Spanish. I knew a few words and hand motions got me by. And the Spanish people are so amazing. They're just the most laid back, patient people. And so if if you don't know what you're saying, they just kind of let you do it. And they're fine with it. (laughs) Or at least that's how they made me feel. At least Um, maybe we all annoyed them. On our like all of us traveling, yeah. So I knew I'd be walking a long time. I made sure to pack light and just hit the road. And so it was. Um, it's just the the trip that I always like look back on, and it's still like teaching me things. I'm still learning from it. I'm still processing it. I think more so than 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 other trips, you know, outside the country and um, that I've taken. And it's. It was just an amazing time and a beautiful place. And there's just something about just walking and just being alone with yourself for an, you know, for an extended period of time. So for my own challenge, I like disconnected from social media, uh, the news, like the entire time. And so the only, only contact, like I kept contact with a few people just, you know, to check in and let them know I was okay and that sort of thing. But, but I wasn't really like looking on a news feed anywhere and so, like, really disconnecting. You're just kind of alone with your thoughts and uh, in yourself, and and that's tough. <laughs> and uh, but it was it was fantastic. It's it's what I needed. Um, and I think it's it now becomes like a reference point. And it's almost like the the Camino itself now becomes a metaphor for my life or for anybody else's life. Um, and so I keep referring back to. So um, the the <laughs> the short of it is is. You walk a long time through Spain and you end up <laughs> in Santiago. Sure. Right. But there's like a there's like an internal process that you go through that I can't overstate. And so like it's it's a pilgrimage, but most of the churches were closed. So I didn't really get to to visit too many churches. And most of the people I was with were not doing it for religious purposes. So the the Camino ended up not being a at least superficially, it didn't feel very religious. Obviously, you know, there's, there's things that stir in you and your thinking and, um, and obviously there's that aspect of it. And so then, yeah. And then I guess I have to mention just all the people I met along the way. They were fantastic. Just people from different countries and very different stages of life, dealing with very different things, just trying to figure things out. And, uh, and they were fantastic. And, and by far the, the highlight of the trip for me, um, it would, it definitely wouldn't have been the same without meeting all these people. And so meeting people who had just like, who were taking a break from college. I met a, a sweet woman who like, she suffers from anxiety and depression and she goes on the Camino for a few weeks and kind of resets her. And then she goes back to her life. Um, I met a guy who was, I think he was in his mid forties and he like the previous week he had quit his job and he just says, I'm done. I quit told his family, he's like, I got to get away for a while. And he was, <laughs> he was there walking in Spain and, um, you know, other people who had retired, who had always wanted to do it, but it was just meeting these people and, and just kind of learning their stories on the way was, was, was an incredible thing. And, um, and you kind of, you walk kind of with people during some parts of the day, but then you walk alone at other parts of the day, but you kind of make this Camino family and, and you end up kind of, getting word to each other, like where you plan on ending up, 
you know, that evening and without, <laughs> without being able to text each other, you just find each other in some little town and bar and then you'd hang out that night. And so you kind of, you kind of traveled with these people along the way. And there, there's something about doing something challenging with people that just makes you just kind of come together and you just can form a friendship in a, in a way that you can't otherwise, you know, just you're walking that long, you know, you start to get sore and that sort of thing. So your body starts to hurt a little bit. And then you're, you know, you have a few moments like, what am I doing? Why am I, <laughs> why am I in the middle of this country walking right now? You know, you kind of question what you're doing there um, at some points, but yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. And so I think that's what it stands out to me. Like whenever I think Camino, I just think of this trip that I will just continually reference uh, for the rest of my life as some, some moment, like there was my life before Camino and then after the Camino. And climate wise, like if you started it at the end of February, uh, climate about the same over there as it would be in Ohio that time of year. Um, So it, it varied depending on uh, the elevation. And so, Oh yeah, that makes sense. So like my first day walking, whenever I was going up the Pyrenees, it, there was snow on the ground okay. and it was, it was just warm enough to be raining and not snowing. So it was extra fun on the hike up, you know, but then it would get cold and then, you know, it would, the snow would stay there on the ground. So it was cold enough at night. But then once I, the latter third of the Camino was kind of like this Mesa. And so it was kind of like, it was flatter area and it was drier. And so I had days that I was bundled up with this, you know, gloves and a hat and a scarf, and it was snowing on me. And then I had other days where I was shorts, t-shirt, sweating. I think I was just at this time of year where it was starting to fluctuate, but the elevation I was at had a, a big part in, you know, how cold it was. But Ohio, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I couldn't say Louisiana because it's like the same all the time. You live in a swamp. <laughs> You live in a swamp, and I don't. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> well, no, it, it does. Like right now, it it feels cold. Like if you look at the numbers, you'd be like, "It's not cold." What's the temperature? Well, hold on. I'll check. Sixty-five in the house. Okay. It's forty-five degrees right now. Outside. Yeah, outside. Oh wow, that's pretty cold. But it's like, do you ever go? I does it get cold enough so you can ice skate on the swamp? <laughs> No, nothing, nothing will technically freeze, but it's so humid. It feels cold. Right. Well, when I go visit you in Ohio, it's kind of like, oh, I just need a sweatshirt. You know, it's fine. But I did buy a coat in Ohio. I didn't have a winter coat just so I could like, you know, I could blend in a little more. (laughs) (laughs) So it feels cold. Mm -hmm. It's just the humidity. That's the thing that changes yeah okay so 500 miles is what you walked yeah approximately over how many days exactly did that take you 28 days so it was it was four straight weeks okay i don't know what the exact math on that is like did you walk intentionally longer some days so that you could have some easier days or or relax in certain places or like how did you how'd you balance that so the goal was to get to Santiago by Palm Sunday. And, you know, I just did the math like, all right, if I walk every day, you know, for four weeks, then I'll end up in Santiago the morning, Sunday morning, Palm Sunday. And so I wouldn't have been able to take any breaks. So I didn't take any days off, which if you're doing the Camino, take a day off. <laughs> It'll help your knees yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. your feet. But yes, yeah, some days were longer than others. So I was in like kilometer mode whenever I was there. So I think the longest I walked was about 45 kilometers one day. And then there were other days where I would only walk like 20, 25 kilometers. So you know, some days were shorter. A lot of it depended on how far the next town was. And because I was technically walking during the off season, some of these little towns wouldn't have had a place for me to stay. So whenever you, whenever you check in in the beginning, they let you know, the, the places like they're basically hostels, but they call them albergues. Um, they let you, they let you know which albergues are actually open. 
Um, and so you would, you would walk to the next town that they would have a place to stay. And you got to time it. But what the rhythm was is I'd wake up, get walking before sunrise, probably stop, you know, around nine or 10 for a cafe con leche. Mm, man. Oh, and man. And then you'd get, go to a town. That's it. Like, ideally get to the town you want to stay in by lunch, which in Spanish, that means 1.30 <laughs> uh, for lunch. So then you'd eat a nice lunch, check into your place just in time for siesta, take a nap, and then be, you know, ready to kind of like maybe get something else to eat for, for supper. But, um, but yeah, depending on where that next town was, you would shorten your day or lengthen your day. So, but yeah, 28 straight days. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I did the conversion in my head. Uh, 45 kilometers should be about 27 miles. Yeah, was it like 1.6? Well, I just know a 5K is 3.1 miles. So I just divided 45 by 5 and got 9 and then multiplied 9 by 3, which gave me 27. So it's probably, probably if you add all the point ones, probably closer to 28. Yeah, according to uh, my calculations. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know you have a calculator on your phone, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm, I don't look at my phone, Chris. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to engage with the person I'm talking to. This is a person-to-person conversation. Oh, no, were you like... I don't want to be looking at my phone. It's a distraction. <laughs> you like doing math when you're running, right? I do. Those two things go together for you. You like doing math and you run. I do, and I don't, I don't use a calculator <laughs> while I'm running. For the same reason that I don't use a calculator when I'm talking to you, because I'm, tr- I'm trying to focus. Right, obviously. So I'm using the calculator that God gave me <laughs> that's in my brain. Um, Unfortunately, the calculator that God gave me is not as accurate as the calculator that man has given me. So, Yeah. Wait, so wait, what'd you do? What, what is the math on it? Oh, that's only the estimate from my head is about probably around 28 miles. Okay. We'll let somebody listening do the math. At a conversion rate of 1.609, 45 kilometers is equal to 27.9617 miles. That is approximately 28 miles, as Kevin correctly estimated, proving that when it comes to simpler mathematic conversions, the brain calculator God gave to Kevin is just as good as the calculators that man has given to Kevin. Well, all right. So I I know a number of people who have, yourself included, who've done the whole thing, and a couple of people who have done the sections of it. But, like, what was your experience like in terms of knowing where exactly to go? I've heard, (laughs) just follow the yellow arrows. That's a thing. Like, for 500 miles, your eyes happen to catch the next yellow arrow, and you know where to go? (laughs) Yeah, it's, well, it's either a yellow arrow or a shell. So the the shell is the... Even up in the snow-capped mountains. Yes. Now, for most of the way, there's a, a clearly identifiable trail. Okay. Um, there were places where there was a lot of snow where I remember it getting a little difficult just because of the weather. But yeah, no, there's it's it's clearly marked. There's either a yellow arrow or a um, a yellow or a seashell. It's a scallop shell, and so that's the that's kind of the the symbol of all the pilgrims. So a lot of us like you tie that like a scallop shell to your backpack, and that's kind of how people would identify you as a you know that you were on the Camino. But yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty clearly marked. Like you don't need a map. You wouldn't need to look at your phone for GPS or anything like that. And I imagine there are enough people that you can kind of just follow the herd. So whenever I was going, it was, there wasn't that many people on the, on the Camino. So I would walk for hours sometimes and not see another human. Oh, really? Um, now, during the summer or peak season, I've heard that that's very different. The French town that I like started the Camino in, um, Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, they told us like, right now there's somewhere between you know, around 10 to 12 people leaving a day on the Camino. But then I think come July, August, there's probably like close, there's hundreds that will be leaving each day. Okay. And so having talked to people who did it during peak season, I'm very glad I did it during the off season. Um, Like I needed to, 
I needed to get away. I needed to, to have the space. And if I just would have been walking in a line of people for 500 miles, I think that would have, <laughs> I think that would have drove me nuts. <laughs> well, that's what I'm imagining it would be like. Yeah. So, sure. but yeah, no, there, there weren't that many people. And it's funny how you would like, you would meet people and they had heard about you already. So like, there's like somehow along this road, you'd meet someone else and then you would see somebody and like, oh yeah, you're the dude with the purple hat or something like that. Like we've heard about you, you know, or something, or, or you're the Italian guy someone mentioned, you know, earlier. Or like, oh, you're the swamp dweller with the ukulele is what they knew you as. <laughs> no, not exactly. <laughs> dude, did you ever watch that show Swamp Thing when you were little? No. Uh, no. I, I think it was a TV show. Swamp Thing was an American animated television series based on the Vertigo, DC Comics superhero character, Swamp Thing. The pilot episode aired on October 31, 1990, when Chris was just a small boy of about the age of five, growing up in the swamps of Louisiana. I just remember like when I was really little, like seeing the, seeing the, you know, they used to do these like bumper commercials for the show, like coming up. Nine at nine, you know, Swamp Thing, and <laughs> that's really all I remember. Right. So that's what I'm thinking whenever you say like from the swamp. It's like, no, I'm not an ugly green creature. Why would anyone think that about me? I didn't call you a swamp thing. I didn't call you a swamp creature. I called you a swamp dweller, which is accurate. It's accurate. You know, I I wore shoes growing up, Kevin. So I would wear shoes if I was in the swamp too. <laughs> well, that's. You get a bunch of muck between your toes. <laughs> That's the difference between some people. It's like whether you grew up wearing shoes or not. Okay, we're about 44 minutes into this. We've essentially <laughs> now... nothing to use. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already have too much to use, honestly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, because because we haven't even gotten to the character at the center of the song here. Right. right? So everything that you've just described, <laughs> you sum it up in the first three lines of the song i walked in the cold and rain i crossed the mountains into spain looking for a place to rest my head and then she comes in when all at once she's in front of me a tall dark spanish beauty my heart starts to race i'm making plans um who was mercedes where did you meet her i assume that's her real name Yes, it is. It is her real name. <laughs> Shout out to Mercedes. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, so kind of stepping, taking a step back, I, I had not really written a, um, like a song where I really tell a story. And so I was interested in, in doing that. And, um, and so that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this song. Mm-hmm. Most of what I say in the song is, is true. You know, so I was like, you know, I was on the Camino. I did walk across some mountains. Um, it was cold, <laughs> rainy. Uh, Mercedes is real. Um, she was gorgeous. And then I, I remember it was, it was in the town of Roncesvalles. And she was the person kind of in charge of the albergue. And I think it was just something about like her charm as she was kind of introducing everybody and like helping everybody to their room and everything. She was just someone who you would just instantly like, like, you know, no matter what. And so I remember like, you know, waking up the next day and as I'm starting to walk, just kind of thinking about her. And then the idea popped in my head and like, I'm never going to see her again. And it was just, it was kind of fun. This idea that like, you just meet people that make impressions on you and then, and then it's over and then it's done. And so that's kind of what got my wheels turning as I'm walking and, you know, by myself. So of course I was just spending the time, you know, humming different melodies and that sort of thing. And uh, I kind of started writing the song instantly as far as like the next day. While walking. Correct. But after meeting, after meeting Mercedes. Right. So it was kind of just her, the spirit of hospitality that drew you in. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was attractive too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I have to say that. <laughs> that's what everybody's wondering. Like, oh yeah, she was pretty. Um, but yeah, it's it's. 
I wasn't like really hung up on her or like there was no point where like I thought about like turning around <laughs> the Camino and just being like, I got it. I got to go see her again or something like that, you know? So like, yeah, sure. There, there, there's a part where I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a part where like, there's actually what happened. And then there's a part where I'm trying to write a song. Of course. Like in so far as getting past the, the first chorus, like with the next verses, you know, we sit and laugh. I sing you songs. We stay up talking all night long. Like, is that how much, like help me separate f- fact from fiction there. <laughs> okay. Well, let me say this. My my own imagination is picture some some small boy with uh like trying to walk a mastiff or something like that, right? Like there's this big dog who's actually just dragging this little kid around. That's kind of how I feel about my my brain <laughs> and my imagination. And so <laughs> um so the my heart starts to race and making plans like my mind is always going in different directions. So like there's all the all the thoughts cross my mind, <laughs> you know, as far as like, man, what if what if I move to Spain? You know, like I'm I'm actually really thinking that at multiple points during the Camino, you know, and not just like for a, a person, just like I could do this. <laughs> right. Like, how do I how do I tell my parents I'm not coming back? Like, you know, like I would just think these things, you know, and um, my imagination just kind of flows. And then at some point I kind of snap back and. You know, and they're like, oh, no, you know, like I'm not going to do that or, or that's not what I really want or, you know, those sorts of things. Like I come back to, I kind of come back to reality um, every now and then. <laughs> I guess I'll say that <laughs> just to, for clarity, just for honesty in, in this whole thing. Um, sure. We ended up getting a meal uh, at the albergue we were staying at. And so she would kind of play host with everybody and make sure everybody got fed and okay in their, in their bunk beds and everything as far as like just, you know, making sure they had access to everything. But of course, like what happened almost every night was you would just be with people and a couple bottles of wine. You just hang out and talk. And and of course, so she was there and I had the ukulele and it was just a, it was just a thing to kind of get people together. Sure. Um, And so at this point I was still doing music full time. So it felt very natural to, to, to just play music, to have a ukulele and just play music. And um, part of it, I was worried about, like I brought the ukulele just to kind of, to keep myself company. Cause I didn't want to go that long without playing or singing. And my, my fear was that I would come off to people. Like I, I wanted to entertain them <laughs> in some sense, like to get attention, but I, I hope I never came off that way, but it was, it was something that was a lot of fun because it's it's funny how like one of the things I realized on the Camino was how often I'm surrounded by music. Like when you go to a store, music's in all the movies and TV shows, right? Like if I'm driving somewhere, I'm listening to something. And to go long periods of time with silence, it kind of makes you kind of savor those moments where you're with someone having a conversation or you do hear a song. And so hopefully I, I tried to provide that for people, you know, and it was it was just a lot of fun. Um, people would like request a song and then I would try to figure it out, you know, and then, you know, by the next night I would try to play it for them. So, yeah, so that's, that part of the song, um, happened, you know, we, we sat around and I'm playing ukulele and we're all cutting up and having fun. Now, the, the thing the song is trying to portray is like, it's just me and her and we're making this connection like that. I don't think that really happened. This was like a, a, a table of a group of people. And we're all having fun with each other. Um, and yeah. I don't think anyone fell in love with anybody <laughs> at, the, at that table. Um, you know, so th- that's, that's kind of separating the, f- the fact from fiction. She was there. We were singing. We were all having fun. But it wasn't just me and her. And I don't think, <laughs> I don't think there was any signs that it was some kind of reciprocal admiration. <laughs> She didn't find you attractive, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know that. If like, if she looked at you, and and her friend said, "Do you think he's gorgeous?" She would say, "The swamp dweller." No, like that type of. <laughs> Probably so. I'm pretty certain she didn't write a song about me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Th- so there's like a couple things that this reminds me of because I've totally taken a specific 
fact before and turned it into a narrative that is largely fictional. It's like The Man Who Refused to Dance is one of those, right? It's a totally fictional song, but it is based on the fact that I generally refuse to dance right. uh, at, at gatherings where people are dancing. Except so, for your wedding. Um, I witnessed it. Except for my wedding, right, which is kind of <laughs> the promise made in the song, actually. Right. Um, I see similar artistic elements in it where you've taken a real experience that you had with a, a real woman who you were uh, on multiple levels had that initial attraction to and then it's you just kind of use that as a as a prompt you know almost like a the most innocent and romantic of what ifs and i'm sure i've told you this before but i i really like this song (laughs) i i would put it up there on the caliber of like a moon river like i can picture you you know, with cut-off jeans and a bandana wrapped around your forehead, <laughs> sitting on a window ledge, singing this song into the night, and we see clips of Mercedes kind of doing her doing her thing, being being hospitable, and you know, like we we see the woman that you're describing, and in the end, we kind of feel the uh, I, I don't know if pain is the right word, but the but the melancholy that comes from kind of wondering. Like, what if, what if I had moved to Spain? Like, could this have been more? Would she have seen me as more than just a a regular pilgrim who's here tonight and gone tomorrow? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, absolutely. I'm just kind of like well, talking. There's not, there's not really a question here, but it's just. Well, well, I mean, okay, because, you know, this has been the rare occasion of you giving me a compliment. Um, thank you. Oh, dang it. Shoot, I re- I take it all back. I take it all back. Um, so the reason why we're having this conversation about the song, or one of the reasons, is because I've never published it. Right, I've never put it online, and I think it's because I've always had mixed feelings about it, about whether I liked it, and I kind of do that with all my songs. I'm like, I, I I I if if I get to the end of a song, like if I finish it, um, which rarely happens. I'm really satisfied with it. Like if I was a, if I wrote novels, I would just write hundreds of pages and then burn them over and over again. <laughs> That's just all I would do. And so, I don't know. So uh, thank you. The, the point of that is to say, thank you. Um, I appreciate, I'm glad, glad you like the song and, and being compared to like any other person's work of art is, uh, is, is humbling, but yeah, no, like you're, what you're saying is resonating where it's, it's like, there is this what if, and that's what was fun about the thoughts. It wasn't that, and that's what I meant earlier when I was talking about like my imagination. It's like, no, like I had like the crazy romantic thoughts in my head and it's, and it's kind of fun, you know? Um, but you walk away and you, you leave and then you only have a, a memory of this person and that's it. That's all you kind of have. And so yeah, so I'm glad you said I'm glad you said the word melancholy because it's this isn't just a happy song, right? It's it's supposed to I wanted it to try to capture like the introspection that I felt while on the Camino. Yeah. Like I wanted to to be fun, right? Because I was thinking like this is it's a happy thing. Like even, you know, talking about it, like it's it's a it's fun to think about. But then when you're walking into the unknown and you know, there's all these what ifs in your head, you know, like you're, you're kind of wondering where you should act and what you should walk away from. And, you know, a lot of those questions. And I don't know, I I think (laughs) when it comes to my own, my own songs, I don't know that anyone is ever going to think like this about them. And so that's why I don't, (laughs) that's why I don't put them online. (laughs) People do though. Yeah. People do. (laughs) Yeah. People do. I, Another film that it brought to my mind was Once. Have you ever seen Once? Yes. Oh, that's, yeah, fantastic. I, so the the reason I think it, it resonates is because it's almost like Once is a, as a film, is an extended version of this song. You know, it's not just like a single night. It's more like over the span of a month, you know? And 
the whole time we're watching these two interact and, and make music together and help each other kind of finish their songs and listen to each other's stuff, there's this whole, what are they going to do? You know, it's the whole thing is a big what if. And this is a spoiler. So if you haven't seen the film and want to skip ahead 30 seconds. But, you know, at the end, like you're kind of fully expecting them to get together. And in the end, what they do is they kind of wake each other up to what they know they need to do. You know, they, they kind of inspire each other to go back and fix the relationships that they already have, you know, like not, not to use each other as fire escapes uh, to, to get out of something that's falling apart. But, but, but the whole time, they're kind of on the verge of, you know, the audience is just wondering, will they, won't they? Right. Well, there's all this tension. Yeah. And so it's like an extended, it's like that extended what if. But then just like you, they both kind of wake up, then they look for the other to say goodbye, and now they're gone, and they're a memory, you know? And they might not ever see each other again, but they've got songs out of it, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, I mean, if you're listening, go watch once, listen to that. (laughs) That's, it's, um, it's an amazing soundtrack. And uh, Glenn Hansard is, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. Like what you said, like it's, it's kind of like an extended, it's like an extension of everything that you could possibly feel when like the emotional roller coaster of thinking about someone, missing them, wanting to be with them, you know, where there's, there's kind of highs and lows to that. There's hope. And then there's like bitter moments, um, you know, where you're, you're questioning things and, yeah. and he captures that so well. Um, it's, it's amazing. So it feels weird to compare myself to, to him and in that movie. <laughs> well, I um, did it. So but, yeah. So, but, uh, um, say thank you, Kevin. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the second compliment. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh gosh. This, is that what I did? I guess since we've met maybe, um, <laughs> sounds, sounds right. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's fun to like to wonder what if. Like I like that. And I think I used to I I was too distracted by that at some point. With this song or just in as a general inclination? Um yeah, no, I think I think as a general thing. Okay. I think the <laughs> my own like <laughs> psychological and, and emotional maturity has brought me to actually be more present. Mm-hmm. I think I used to to be, you know, in my head and in, in my imagination about the future or the past much more than much more than the present. And so now I can I, I can kind of appreciate those thoughts, but knowing that I don't have to stay there. I think I used to stay there too much. Um and um just for all the listeners, I'm I'm actually laying down on a couch. Um I will probably talk about my mother at some point. Let's talk about your mother now, Chris. <laughs> Sweetest woman in the world. Rachel is her name? No, her name is her name is Dedra. Shout out to Dedra. <laughs> Interesting. Well, tell me about Rachel. This is a nightmare. That's funny. Um, oh, man. Okay. Okay, when you sing, uh, I, I wake up with you on my mind, I look for you just to say goodbye. It happened. That's what I, that's what I was going to ask. Like, did you actually, like, how many other places that you stayed at, you know, I guess 27, 28 nights, did you look for the host or the owner or the manager <laughs> to say goodbye and thank you? Right. Okay, yeah, none of them. None of them. But you did actually look for Mercedes? Yeah, so I remember waking up and packing up my stuff, and it was the first night on the trail, like on the Camino. So like the first night where you're like, you actually, you walk some, you get somewhere, you check in, that sort of thing. And it was just, it was one of the hardest days of walking, but then also one of the most memorable about, just it's, it's right whenever I started to meet everybody on the trail. And, and you, it just kind of felt magical. It felt like I was... Like I knew I was on a really amazing trip already. And like I said earlier, um, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to be able to get away from this. Um, she, she made, you know, 
she made an impression on me. And I remember waking up and then walking to the office, you know, where she, where she worked, kind of where we all met her in the beginning, you know, just to, just to say goodbye. And, and I don't know what I was going to say besides just like, Hey, this is, this is fantastic. Um, but she wasn't there. And then, you know, and then I walked and I think that's what got me thinking like, Oh, you're never going to see this person again, you know? And, um, <laughs> and that being kind of like an emptiness in kind of a weird way, like, like I missed it, but there was also something that kind of felt like romantic about it just in the, in a narrative sense. Right. Oh, sure. Like in the, in the, um, kind of the old world sense, right. It was, it's like, it, it should be that way. It should be that I didn't see her. <laughs> like that's, Ooh, that's a good story. You know, like I started thinking that as well. Right. Right. <laughs> as I was walking away. Yeah. There's no, there's no closure or resolution as though there needed to be, you know? Right. Yeah. This is all, like I said, this is the, you know, this is the great Dane pulling little Chris, you right. know, along. <laughs> this is just my imagination making up all this stuff. <laughs> right. Um, but that's also that's also I, I think the creative artistic inclination, you know, is uh, is it it's a prompt and not in a way that like she's become a person that you're you're using to tell a good story. It's like she legitimately meant something to you, like her kindness, her beauty, how friendly and hospitable she was with people. Like it, it seems like that, like all of that was attractive for you and and after walking through the cold and the rain looking for a place of rest like you found a beautiful one and i mean this is why she gets she inspires the song that none of the other hosts along the camino did you know there was there was something about the the convergence of all of these things that kind of led to her that led to this song that to me make it all such a beautiful like I'm glad that you met her because I really like this song and it wouldn't it might not exist if she had been in the office that morning when you went to say goodbye you know yeah no that's true yeah I guess I never thought like wait what if she would have actually been there I think I like <laughs> I only thought about the fact that she wasn't um so that's that's kind of fun to think of. like what if she was there <laughs> I probably just been like uh uh thanks see you later <laughs> Right. <laughs> just awkwardly not known what to what to say yeah yeah um but yeah and i think that's that's why the camino is this thing that i always reference because it's it's just this like sequence of beautiful moments that i learned from and some were tough some were some were easy some were some were difficult the sequence of beautiful moments that i i learned from like that's that's what the camino was and 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 definitely uh mercedes was um was part of that and it's also like how many people have you ever met named mercedes right right yeah i was kind of thinking we could do a thing here in the middle cuz i've never had like a sponsor for this podcast or anything that we could <laughs> mercedes we could do a thing yeah <laughs> like we're not necessarily talking about mercedes you know the, the the car company right Yet. we're not talking about the bends right <laughs> but we could be is our point right you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> we could be talking about mercedes it just i get the ball might be in their court at this point is right what I'm saying. yeah we're, right. we're waiting you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'll put our addresses in a bonus clip at the end in case mercedes right <laughs> in case in case mr bends Decides to call us. <laughs> Man, I've wondered. So, have you ever talked to someone? Well, I know you wrote a song about your, you know, you've written songs about your wife, and I assume that you talk to her still. Um, yeah. <laughs> every, every now and then. <laughs> yeah. You know, we try. <laughs> the, but, like, writing a song about a person without them knowing it. I did. Maureen. Right. Yes. Yeah. Which is funny because it's my mother-in-law's favorite song of mine, uh, and it's and it's not about her daughter. This is the girl that you stood up, and then whenever you went to go meet her, she didn't show up, right? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, Maureen, 
so that song, yeah, that song is, is I would say, fits the category of this. But they're completely different in tone. Like, mine is... Sure. <laughs> mine has this, like, this kind of, like, self-deprecating spirit of adventure and romance to it. Like, yours has this sitting in the windowsill, alone, singing to the moon, longing to it, that I love. And, uh, and I think it's really cool, like, in the chorus... You, you, you kind of you repeat the line twice. You know, Mercedes, tonight of you I'll dream and fall in love all over again. Mercedes, tonight of you I'll dream. It's the only way to see you again. Like, there's there's something, man, really romantic about that. Like, the only way I will ever see her again is if I'm blessed with a dream about her. You know, that's it. Yeah, I, I've heard you play it live before on guitar and on ukulele. And I prefer it on ukulele, which I you wrote it on the ukulele, right? How used to the ukulele were you at this point? Like, were you comfortable on it? Were you fluent in ukulele? <laughs> um, yeah. If you play guitar, there's so much that just transfers over immediately to ukulele. So the 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 strings are different. So you just need to you just need to learn how to make chords, right? And once you learn how to make a few chords then you can kind of just you can play as many songs as you want to essentially. So I feel like it was, it was easy for me just to be able to play a couple of chords, but it also had the feeling of like learning a new instrument, which is, it's just fun just to, to have something different. Cause once you start just trying to play around with it, like I find myself like you get melodies that you wouldn't have gotten on a guitar. Right. And maybe you've experienced like if you sit at a piano and I don't really know how to play piano that well. But what it means is that whenever I just try to peck at the keys and have fun, I end up doing things that I wouldn't have done as far as melodically on a guitar. And so from a songwriting perspective, it ends up kind of opening up a, a new world. And so the, the tone of the song um, and kind of what I was able to do lyrically was kind of set up by kind of what I was just playing around with on the on the ukulele. And so it definitely had an impact on kind of the overall outcome of the song. It was kind of me exploring the ukulele. So so when you went to produce it, like was your vision or hope or desire for it to keep the production simple? Cause it's really nice. You know, like it's the piano is sprinkled in there. Um, I don't know how to describe it other than to say really nice, which is lame, but like it, <laughs> it adds to that kind of like uh moon river type quality yes it was intentionally minimalist because that's what the camino was yes okay right like so i just had i just had the ukulele you know with me whenever i wrote it and you know i only had two pairs of clothes that i wore for six weeks (laughs) you know like you had your walking clothes and then you had your night clothes and so everything was just only what was necessary and anything that you were carrying that wasn't necessary, you would you regret it because your knees and feet were hurting because of it, right? So, um, and I I love that about the Camino. Like you learn that you just don't need anything. You don't need much just to get by. And and so I, I wanted it to feel simple. And I think for a lot of my a lot of my other songs. The, the main thing that I'm trying to get across is the mood. But for this one, I, I wanted mood and the story. Like I wanted, I wanted the lyrics to come out a little more. And so I didn't want the, I didn't want any instrumentation to be too busy. I kind of wanted it to all be kind of focused on that. Um, so I recorded this in Nashville with, with Alan. Alan, yeah. Alan Parker. Alan Parker. Shout out to Alan Parker. He's been, he's, he's gotten a, a couple shout outs. Good. He deserves it. Yeah, um, I know. The only reason why any of my recordings sound good is because of Alan Parker. <laughs> Alan Parker. He's found amazing people just to make my songs, you know, just be be as good as they can be. Um, like that's that's what he did. He he produced uh, both of my EPs and uh, you know recorded them, did the engineering on them, and and as well as the song Mercedes. And so we had kind of thrown around some ideas um, and just played around with it. And the piano was just something as an idea and it just felt like it worked. 
And so we went with it. So me picking at little keys, that's that's the limit of my uh, piano playing. Oh, oh was that you on the, pi- yeah, yeah, on the I piano? Yeah, I played it. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I just did that on an upright piano that Alan had in the studio. And I mean, playing piano, that's that's an exaggeration of what, what was going on there. Oh, I, I get it. Me, I get you it. know, using yeah. my index finger to, to hit notes, you know, in time. <laughs> but... It was also one of the first times in the studio where I kind of just got creative in the moment. I think for for most of my recordings, I kind of had an, a vision, an idea, and due to mostly due to money constraints, it's kind of like, all right, here's the plan. We're going to get in. We're going to do this. And because I was just recording that one song, and Alan is generous with his time, um, you know, we had time to kind of play around. And so it was fun. It was definitely a time where... I wasn't as stressed out in the studio and during recording, you know, wondering if this thing is going to turn into the thing I had in my head, you know, before I showed up to the studio. And it was more of like, hey, let's see where this goes. Let's see what happens. I, I hate the fact that I like the song so much because <laughs> I can't talk about it without, without complimenting you. And that is really frustrating for me. Right. Okay. Un- understood. I would feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> but then the way it, the way it ends. You know, was it fate, luck, or chance? I fell in love walking south of France to a girl I'll never see again. And then it ends. Like, I love that you end it kind of taking the note up instead of like, to a girl I'll never see again. Right? That's kind of dead. But you said, to a girl I'll never see again. Yeah, I kind of don't hit that tonic, like low tonic note yeah it's like the dream just disappearing into the air in a puff of whimsy i don't know how much you like try to stick to some formula for like the structure of your songs as far as like you know verse chorus when you put in a bridge that sort of thing like from the songwriting perspective it was me trying to tell a story you know that's why i end the song the way i did it's because i didn't want it to be this like song where you you know, repeat the chorus two times at the end. Like I needed to, yeah. I need to leave, leave the listener thinking about something, you know, I'll never see her again, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, was it fate? Was it luck? Was it chance? These are fun ideas. I think we tend to stress out about, we tend to get anxious about, you know, whether something happened for a reason, whether the the timing's right on something. And I I know, I know I've maybe, (laughs) overthought way too many things in my life. You know, like, wait, is this a sign? Is this the sign that I, you know, that I've been waiting for? Um, and I don't know if there are signs or, or if there's luck or if there's chance, but it's fun. If you're, you're thinking about something in terms of, you know, there's some kind of like serendipity to you meeting somebody or you thinking something or something happening in your life. Enjoy that. That's fun. <laughs> like that's, that's exciting stuff. And it's the it's a thing that you can always look back on and and know that you were you were living well. I walked in the cold and rain across the mountains into Spain, looking for a place to rest my head. When all at once she's in front of me, a towel out Spanish beauty, my heart starts to race and making plans. Mercedes, tonight of you I'll dream And fall in love all over again Mercedes, tonight of you I'll dream It's the only way to see you again Sing your songs, we stay up talking on night long. I'm wanting the night to never end. I wake up with you on my mind. I look for you just to say goodbye, but you're gone and now 
Tonight of you I'll dream is the only way to see you again. South of France to a girl I'll never see again. If you enjoyed my conversation with Chris Cole, be sure to check out more of his music. You won't find Chris anywhere on social media, but he's got two excellent EPs available on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, etc. To all of you who support Song and Story on Patreon, please check your email for the latest post, as you are now officially the only other people in the world who own and have access to Chris's song, Mercedes, outside of this podcast episode. Chris said that I could give it to all of you, so there you go. Thank you, Chris, and thank you to our patrons. If you'd like to support my art and this podcast, you may do so at patreon.com slash songandstory. As you heard throughout this episode, Chris and I are prone to jokes and tangents. It was really hard cutting some of them out or trimming them down in the interest of time and flow. So, because you're still listening, I've saved my favorite of our conversational detours for last. 2020 has been a rough year for everybody, so it is my hope that this bonus clip, in all its absurdity, will put a smile on your face. From the bottom of my heart, thanks for listening. I don't know how much you like try to stick to some formula for like the structure of your songs as far as like, you know, verse chorus when you put in a bridge and that sort of thing. What do you, what do you think? Um. <laughs> you, you have commented before, like you write a lot of songs that don't have choruses. Yeah. You don't, you don't really care. Do you? <laughs> I don't. And I don't think one should, but I don't care if one does. Well, yeah. Yeah. On a side note, I think having the courage to just do whatever you want to do is it's so rock and roll like it's cool you know um oh yeah zeppelin i'm convinced zeppelin would not get signed today you think yeah man they're the best i mean if if they did it would be like an indie label man dude i was so obsessed with them i know high school i used to wake up every morning and i had a vhs of the song remains the same um concert and I'd watch it like every day before school and like thinking about high school and just everything that I didn't know. And oh, just like, I just think about myself I'm like, Oh, Chris, like you don't understand anything. Like it's the one thing I'm like, you know what? You got that right. Like you got Zeppelin, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that was my, my senior yearbook quote was from going to California. Really? Yeah. What is it? What's the quote? It was, uh, the sea was red, the sky was gray. I wondered how tomorrow could ever follow today. Which is super emo yeah, for like a high school is. yearbook. Especially considering that like I also got best sense of humor in the yearbook. So like, Did you smile at the picture? Like is the quote under a picture where like you didn't smile? Oh no, it's just like the standard senior picture. So I'm probably smiling. Okay. My senior quote was Mark Twain. <laughs> Never let your schooling get in the way of your education. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's how I felt yeah. about school. <laughs> just like, did you catch the Zeppelin reference on my EP, on the new EP? Oh, I don't know. Don't tell me what it is. I want to listen to it again. Uh, okay, uh, I can't tell you. Right. Is it is it a uh, Zeppelin lyrical reference? Y- yes. Okay. I've kind of already said it. Okay, we'll just say it then. It's. It's the same song. It's in Independence, because that's the one where he goes out to California to look for gold. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm remembering. So uh, it's like this, I think it's the last verse. Um, Come sunrise tomorrow, by God's grace I'll depart. 
I'm leaving California with an aching in my heart. Nice. With an aching in my heart, which is the inverse. He says, I'm going to California with an aching in my heart. (laughs) So I don't know how much you love impersonating Robert Plant. I do. I do. That might have been the first time we bonded was when it was backstage before a love a love come alive yeah and i think you were playing zeppelin and i just, i just started <laughs> was it misty uh, mountain hop misty yeah, mountain hop or something yeah before. what do you what do you, <laughs> <laughs> i can't do that what do you what do you think i saw dude oh, what do you what, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same with my adam duritz like it starts serious and then i just turn it into a goofy caricature but yeah no it's it's so fun i still think we should have done like a we should do a whole Zeppelin concert ah 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 what do you what do you think i saw dude he's so amazing i know it's ridiculous like everything anybody who tries to sing if you try to sing a zeppelin song it sounds like you're trying to do an impersonation. It doesn't sound like you're singing a song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I um, think Jack Black, or no, Jack White. <laughs> Jack White could do it. I'm sure Jack Black could do it. Oh, he actually probably could. But <laughs> but he would be doing like, I mean, he's constantly doing voices. Like, I think Jack White's uh, voice and range and, and timber, I think they're pretty close already to. Is it timbre? I, it, there's an I. It's a T-I-M-B-R-E. Well, your listeners will fact check that as well. It doesn't. I don't care. I think it's timber. <laughs> I think it's timber. I always thought it was timber. Like when you're cutting down a tree. <clears throat> no, that would be E-R. This is R-E. But I'm not talking about the spelling. I'm talking about the how you actually pronounce it. Yeah, I always assumed it was timber. Together in sequence. The letters T-I-M-B-R-E form the word timbre. Timbre refers to the character or quality of a musical sound or voice as distinct from its pitch and intensity. Again, it's pronounced timbre. So, unfortunately, and in an exceedingly rare turn of events, Chris was right. I'll be honest with you, I don't care, and I'm going to keep saying timbre. (laughs) Okay. See, this is why this is why literally no one likes hanging out with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we did this remotely. Yeah. This is why we turned the video off. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to look at you while I'm paying you compliments. All right. Man. All right. Let's completely switch gears here before this crap. <laughs> drags on any longer uh with this complete waste of time <laughs> you're gonna have so much work to edit this 